Welcome to the Education in Isolation podcast with me, Angela Connell, where we will explore the challenges of businesses moving from a face-to-face training mode to an online training environment. Many businesses have been caught off guard by the COVID-19 pandemic, but the situation is proving to be a catalyst for new possibilities and opportunities for the training industry. Let me and my guests help you make the most of these opportunities and to navigate the transition so that you and your organisation come out stronger and more resilient than when you went in. Education is the answer and you are the leader. Hi and welcome Jeremy to the Education in Isolation podcast. We're so excited to have you on our podcast and giving us a bit of background about where you're at and who you are and how COVID-19's affected you and how we're going to be able to move forward and help our clients as well. So who are you and where do you, what do you do? Well, thanks, Angela. Awesome to be with you today. Uh, My name is Jeremy Harris and I'm the lead chief financial officer in a business called the Grow CFO Co, which I co-founded with my wife, Deborah, about uh, two years ago. Uh, and prior to that, I was a, uh, I was a co-owner of a, uh, I guess I would say, typical uh, tax accounting business uh, for about 20 years. Uh, and, uh, and I got to the point where I found that, uh, well, probably two things. Uh, I've discovered that my personality type is not that of a typical accountant. Uh, and I discovered that through a variety of ways. Uh, but I actually realized why after 20 years, I was very frustrated being a tax accountant and, uh, and very tired as well. Uh, I could do it, but it was really hard work. So uh, over a period of a couple of years, I, I was able to make a transition into, uh, into what for me was more fulfilling to actually use numbers to help businesses look forward and to grow. Because after after so many years of doing numbers just to fill in a tax form, looking backwards, looking at the past, uh, I'd become exhausted and and unfulfilled as well. So to actually help, especially fast growth businesses, to really understand cash flow and to plan what their future looks like and to predict the future is where we wanted to go. Hence, we started the Grow CFO Co. Uh, other than that, uh, in terms of uh, home life, uh, I'm the father of five now um, teenagers and young adults, uh, and uh, that's been a very fulfilling part of life as well. Mm. So we were having uh, a chat uh, just before we started about uh, your business model. So mm-hmm. uh, your business model, has you've always been operating from home? Well, as the Grow CFO, yes. Yeah. Uh, but in my tax practice, I had a team of uh, about 20. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that was office-based. Uh, it was, um, we grew over that period of time that I was involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, had, uh, had a couple of partners at, at various stages. Uh, and uh, when I actually sold out of that business and we started Grow CFO, uh, it was... Um, it was there were probably two things I would say from that that were, were really, um, really interesting realizations for me. Uh, one was uh, 
in a in a tax accounting business, it's actually fairly easy to maintain because everybody has to come back every year and do their tax returns. Yeah, that's uh, it might be a different thing. That's right. That's right. And and, and it's it's uh, so long as so long as the customer service is good, then there's a, a almost a guarantee of return business. Uh, when we went out and started from fresh, uh, then it was a whole different theme to actually, um, well, to, to sell what we do, mm. uh, to create products and, and to sell. Uh, the other aspect is from going from a, a team in an office environment to uh, two of us working remotely, working wherever we are in the world, um, it was a, 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 a massive uh, massive change of freedom, which we really appreciated, and uh, we, we were really looking for that yeah. uh, at that stage of our life. Uh, it was also uh, brought challenges in terms of everything uh, came back to us. But in terms of the way that we work, uh, yeah, for two years now, we've been working from wherever we are, uh, primarily at home, but uh, traveling throughout the world. We've done quite a lot of travel the last couple of years, and we're able to do what we do from anywhere. And in fact, uh, a number of our uh, business customers are in different parts of the world. So we're very regularly on Zoom meetings yeah. uh, or Skype calls and sometimes at unusual hours. So in that sense, uh, it, the, the, even the last period of recent period of time through COVID has, uh, has not had a big impact on the way that we actually work. So what would you say um, would have been the biggest challenge to your business since COVID-19? It's really been, uh, there's been a couple of stages in that. Uh, the first challenge was um, the fact that uh, some of our biggest customers are in uh, tourism and events mm. globally. Mm. Uh, so those are two industries that have been really severely impacted. Uh, in terms of uh, tourism, well, one business has a number of uh, resorts and uh, cafes and co-working spaces around the world. So uh, there have been various stages of those having to contract or fully shut down. Mm. Uh, with the with events, uh, events are uh, basically became non-existent, certainly in-person events. So those businesses had an immediate uh, impact on their cash flow, which impacted... Um, which impacted uh, their ability to pay us. But at the same time, they needed us more than ever. Yeah. So the, that initial challenge was um, an impact on our cash flow uh, and working out how to help them uh, get through uh, the short term and the medium term. And, and in some cases, how to, uh, to pivot their businesses as well. As we've continued through uh, the next phase, is that uh, our biggest challenge at the moment is actually becoming uh, time and managing growth. Because uh, I think there's a sense of um, settling into a bit of a routine, a bit of a rhythm uh, in the phase of COVID that, that we're experiencing now. Um, it, it's, there's still uncertainty, but uh, there's week to week, there's a bit of a pattern for some businesses at least. So uh, there's been an opening up of, of people having conversations with us uh, about ways that we can help them. So at the same time as we are servicing our existing customers more than ever and providing, as one of our business mentors says, providing unprecedented value, uh, 
we're also now experiencing uh, a level of growth that we haven't had before. Yeah, yeah. And so what does it look like when you're working with someone? So uh, I know um, we work with you as well. And for me, I'd never had a CFO before mm -hmm. in my business. Mm -hmm. um, I'd always done everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, so it was an interesting concept for me and uh, figures is not my area of expertise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so when you're, and particularly looking at the event and tourism industry, mm -hmm. what's different that you do from what you were doing as an accountant? Because I think a lot of people think of a CFO mm -hmm. like an accountant that mm -hmm. I've learned mm -hmm. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there is definitely that element of it. Uh, I might, I'll just use some terminology that uh, I'll, I'll briefly explain. Um, and uh, some uh, of your listeners may be familiar with this. Uh, this comes from uh, a, um, a profiling tool called Wealth Dynamics. Uh, and there are different kinds of uh, personality strengths. Uh, there, are, there are, well, there's four main strengths and there's a fifth one that comes in as well. Uh, but uh, two of them, one is steel and that's all about the detail. And the other one is, uh, that I'll mention now, is Dynamo, which is about uh, creativity and, and new ideas. So typically an accountant would sit in steel. And I think that would be most people's perception of an accountant or a CFO as well. And that, is, that aspect is really important. The, the, the detail has to be right. The numbers have to be accurate to be able to uh, know how a business is going and to make decisions based on those numbers. So that's definitely one part of what a CFO does. The other part, which is where our strength comes in, is in the dynamo, in that, uh, in that strategy. That is about uh, going up to a higher level, looking down on the business from a higher level and seeing, uh, seeing what the, the vision is, seeing what the future is. Uh, some of that is around uh, what are the uh, ideas, uh, what are the things that can be implemented, uh, but, um, but then having a schedule for those as well. And using the numbers to do that, that forecasting and, and, and really the decision making, uh, some decision making is steel based, but, but some is definitely dynamo based, which is about uh, if we look at different options for the future, what are the outcomes of those? So in terms of what we do and the whole premise of what we do being that, uh, that, that so many businesses do need the, the expertise and the input and the strategy that a CFO can provide, but are not ready to, to have a CFO full-time in their business yet. Uh, so the, the, the premise of founding Grow CFO was to be able to provide access to, uh, to that resource for businesses at a fraction of the price of having somebody do it full time. Yeah. When we come into a business, usually the first thing we need to do is focus on the steel and make sure that the detail is correct uh, before, we can, uh, before we can be looking at using the numbers to make decisions. But the real, uh, real value that, that we add is in the strategy in the dynamo area. Yeah. And so, Thinking about where your clients are and where a lot of businesses are right now with COVID-19, mm -hmm. what would be some strategies that you would recommend to start up? What would they need to do to um, overcome? So you might be facing 
uh, putting off staff, mm -hmm. uh, changing a model, pivot, like pivot is like the, the word at the moment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what strategies would you say someone would need to do first mm -hmm. to identify yeah. where they need to go or where they are right now? Yep. Well, that, uh, that, that comes into different categories. Uh, so the first thing to do is just identify um, how has a business been impacted, uh, if they have been, by the COVID situation. That's the first thing that, that we will do, like a triage. Because we're seeing three different uh, scenarios through COVID. Uh, one is, uh, I guess, in the middle, a, a business that uh, is, is trundling along as normal. Uh, perhaps they were already... Uh, doing things remotely or online, so they're not impacted by any location change, uh, by having to work from home. Uh, maybe their uh, customers uh, are businesses or, or, or even consumers who have not been significantly impacted by COVID. So, so it's to a degree, it's business as usual for those ones. Mm. But either side of that, we've got businesses that have been uh, drastically uh, impacted uh, in a uh, in a negative way mm. by COVID. Uh, so, for example, events and tourism, uh, where uh, and food and beverage as well, anything hospitality, where they've either had to close or drastically uh, reduce their operations. But then, way up the other side, there are businesses who are actually growing through uh, through this uh, through this period, and there are some really interesting examples of that. So. The approach depends on which of those categories uh, a business falls into. So one, the, the majority of our um, audience yes. are people who were delivering traditional face-to-face -face training uh -huh. and they need to go online. Yep. So right. they're either a registered training organisation or they might be delivering non-accredited training. So the mm -hmm. impact that we've seen mm -hmm. is technology has been the barrier and mm -hmm. how, how to do that. So, and some of them are in events mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. hospitality. And as you said, we've had some really good innovative cases that have come up as well. One big thing, mm -hmm. international students who are doing commercial cookery who now don't have a job to go to, mm -hmm. to do their work placement. Mm -hmm. And one of our clients has um, implemented a Feed the International Students program mm -hmm. where they're getting their international students to cook for their other students. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so, that, yeah, so that was a good way where their students are still able to get the practical hands-on skills yes. um, where there isn't any restaurants and cafes and things open at the moment. Yeah. So yeah. if you consider that our, and our, uh, po the, our podcast audience, mm. what would you think would be challenges that they would need to overcome? Mm. 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 Uh, well, that... Um, and particularly financially. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, there's, there's a... Uh, through this period, we've... Um, to address those different types of businesses that, that I mentioned, we've, we, we've created a couple of products. And one is called uh, the Pivot Plan. Mm -hmm. um, although, as you mentioned before, that's become such a buzzword at the moment. Just this morning, we've been uh, looking at what's an alternative word for Pivot uh, but uh, through that, um, the, the fundamental principles remain what I was talking about before, and that's um, assessing uh, where uh, a business is right now and what, uh, what the known future uh, contains. Um, 
the difference is that that actually has to be done much, much quicker than was the case before. Uh, I, so uh, I, an early step is to uh, identify from the existing business what still remains, uh, say, as revenue sources. Uh, and then above, on top of that, what are the, the ways that, uh, that services or, or products can be delivered uh, through different uh, media or different strategies? Uh, and also what different products do their customers actually need through this period? Uh, and that starts actually with a conversation that they have with their customers to mm. find out what the key needs are. And then with that, um, that really, from a financial point of view, is about creating a budget. Uh, what what is the uh, what, what existing revenue will continue, and what is the potential from the new things that can be introduced? On the other side, there's of course uh, the costs, uh, and uh, the that that is often going to be a matter of uh, what costs can be trimmed or cut, uh, and in some cases that may, that means decisions around uh, team as well. Mm. Uh, and, and, and those sort of decisions we've seen have had to be made uh, very quickly. One business that we work with uh, that has a global team of uh, many hundreds of people uh, had had an experience uh, through the GFC. Uh, they were operating through the GFC. And in the GFC, their approach had been um, to, to, to cut what they thought was enough to get them by but then after a period of time, they found they had to cut some more and then it still wasn't enough, so they had to cut some more. So looking back on that experience, uh, the founder said that felt like death by a thousand cuts. This time, the approach was go hard and go early. Uh, and a bit like the airlines. As, yeah, that's right, that's right. And as soon as we can bring uh, salaries back up, then, uh, then let's do that. Um, but at the moment, let's share the pain and share the gain. And they, there are ways that they will reward the team as things improve again. The other thing that they did uh, in that particular example was to, uh, to approach the team and say, instead of choosing people who we need to let go, we are uh, approaching you and saying, we want everybody to take a 40% cut in their income and, uh, and we'll make it up in other ways. We'll do that as soon as we can. And the team were fully on board with that. Uh, but having said that, we're probably past that stage for a lot of businesses now. Um, mm. If um, uh, m most would have made those sort of decisions, so uh, there might be a little bit of cost trimming that can be done uh, in the light of now seeing the results of any of the pivot strategies. Uh, but uh, but but then the the important thing, I guess, the third aspect of this. So I've talked about um, revenue, and I've talked about trimming costs. The third aspect that we're getting into now is started from Australian businesses anyway, is to start to see some of the government support flow through. Uh, and that, uh, that helps to, to uh, frame some of the decisions that are made, especially around team as well. Uh, so really over the next couple of weeks, we'll see that in, come through in cash flow, uh, and, uh, and that will be very welcome for a lot of businesses. And so when it comes to the government grants, so it was a good lead in there. Um, so when it comes to that government funding, what would you recommend uh, our audience should do straight away? Where should they go? Uh, well, um, the first thing is to, to get familiar with the eligibility requirements. Uh, and in a lot of cases that will be 
a matter of uh, of speaking with your tax accountant uh, or or bookkeeper uh, or um, or a CFO, if you have an internal CFO or financial controller uh, or finance team, uh, then they would be getting across these rules as well. Uh, there are different uh, different elements to the support, some federal, some uh, state. Uh, the, the two key ones from a federal point of view, uh, one's called cash flow boost, which starts to flow with the March business activity statements. Uh, and the other one is called JobKeeper, which is uh, very much in the news at the moment. Uh, the the first one, uh, first one is uh, the eligibility is more open. Uh, the second one is specifically targeted at businesses who are experiencing uh, at least, well, for most businesses, the threshold is at least a thirty percent reduction in their revenue, and there are ways to measure that. So that's step one: is, is checking eligibility. Uh, and, and working out the timing of when that eligibility might apply. Uh, and I'm oh, sorry, in that as well, in that step one, uh, I'll talk about identifying, I'll just mention identifying state level uh, assistance that's available. And that of course varies from state to state. Uh, and some of it is shorter term and some of it is longer term. There are things like payroll tax relief, although that doesn't apply to most small businesses. Uh, because that uh, that needs a significant payroll before that actually applies, and many businesses, of course, have reduced their payroll. Yeah, uh, and we're in the training industry. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of them hire their trainers as contractors, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so they're not able to sustain keeping them on because of the contractors. What would you recommend yeah. for contractors? Uh, for the businesses that engage contractors or for the contractors themselves? For the for their businesses that engage contractors. They right, still need right. to deliver training. Yeah. yeah They're yeah. now going to invest yeah. money into online learning platforms mm -hmm. and other resources. Uh, mm -hmm. One great thing has happened in South Australia. Mm -hmm. The South Australian government are offering up to $30,000 for registered training organisations to get their training online. Mm -hmm. But that's not happening in all states. No, so they're, no. they're putting money into getting their training online. And some people are thinking, well, is this only temporary? Should I bother doing this? Should I just shut down? Mm -hmm. Or should I keep going? My recommendation is I see training industry changing forever mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. will need this online learning model because people are going to expect it mm -hmm. so if we look at the contractors that they've got they need to keep going they need to keep delivering their training mm -hmm. um, they need to keep selling mm -hmm. yep. but they haven't got the money coming in to yep. be able to sustain that yeah yeah the way that the two federal government uh, packages are targeted it, it, it relies on um, assessing uh, team who are on the payroll mm. it, it's it's targeted in, in that way that now those things though could apply at the contractor level for the contractors themselves uh, and that will depend on their structure on their business structure there are some who fall uh, who fall through the net on that uh, but a lot of contractors will actually be eligible for both of those programs the cash flow boost and the uh, job keeper mm. uh, through their own businesses themselves. So that will help to uh, sustain them and that helps the businesses that engage with them to, to, um, to continue with them to come to, to commercial arrangements in this very different environment. Mm. Mm. 
Um, there's also some other uh, areas that you may not know about. Uh, there's also government funding out there for training organisations. Mm -hmm. uh, so as I said, that one in South Australia, but there's also going to be funding going to uh, people who want to do training. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, it's the first they're going to target only training organisations who already have contact uh, uh, contracts with their state governments for uh, training. Mm -hmm. uh, but there will be opportunities in those areas for them to... And I, for, I foresee whenever there is a big... Uh, and this is going through my 20 years of history in the training industry, mm -hmm. whenever things like this happen the first thing the government will do is throw money into training, particularly mm -hmm. when there's high unemployment. Mm -hmm. uh, so we will be looking into that into the future with what government funding our um, training industry should be accessing uh, for that. Uh, but, yeah, that was a really good overview of strategies um, that I think any organisation should put into place. Mm -hmm. uh, something I have been talking about with our uh, members is that they really need to be putting a plan in place. So that aligns very much with what what we've said um, that we need to do. Um, is there anything else that you would like to add to that with strategies that training mm -hmm. industry should include? Yeah, so I mentioned uh, budget. So with that combination of looking at um, existing and alternative revenue uh, and and costs and then now factoring in uh, any of these uh, government funding uh, availabilities as well then that helps to create a, a budget uh, and some businesses will have created budgets for 2020 uh, they'll be thrown out the window window stage yeah <laughs> but it, uh, it's, it's about creating a new budget and and not not down to the cent it's it's not we've got to move quickly on these things uh, and and keep it realistic but high level. So uh, just getting something in place to forecast, say, the next six months. Mm. And then a really important thing that comes off the back of uh, the budget is a cash flow forecast. Uh, cash flow forecasts are often something that business owners groan about, and 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 I totally get that. Um, they they're quite often only done when uh, when, when there's uh, say a bank loan being applied for. But there's a different type of cash flow forecast, which is super important for just uh, monitoring what's going on and seeing, seeing the oxygen that is available or any, any gaps that are going to come up in the next short period of time. And that's to have a 13-week rolling cash flow forecast, uh, 13 weeks being a quarter, a quarter of a year. Uh, but a rolling cash flow forecast, so it's, it's constantly uh, pushing out. Uh, another, as each week goes by, it's pushing out another week. So that comes out of the budget. Uh, and it, that is, it's, it's really important to, to recognise the difference between uh, profit and cash flow, because they can be two very different things. Uh, and there can be, uh, they, they involve different strategies as well. You so can often have profit forward. with no cash flow. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. And that's one of the reasons I got out of tax is that uh, at, at the end of a financial year, and quite often six months after the end of the financial year, I'm sitting down with a, a client presenting this beautifully prepared set of financial statements and a tax return that's perfectly filled out and saying, congratulations, look at the profit you made, made a profit. last year. Here's and your tax go, bill. Where is it? Like, well, <laughs> that's great, but where's the money? So. Yep. Uh, one of the reasons we exist is to to answer that question uh, and yeah. not only to answer it, but to predict it, to forecast it and to always have the cash there. 
And so how do you work out a 13-week cash flow in uncertain times like this right now? Uh, well, it comes, to the, it comes back to the plans that you put in place. Um, and so from those strategies are the, are around decisions on revenue and budget, um, uh, sorry, revenue and costs, um, then uh, the, the best guess that comes from that, because some of those new revenue strategies will be uncertain, they will be um, a, a, a try and, and, uh, and tweak, uh, a test and measure and, and, then, uh, and then correct. Uh, but the best guess uh, based on those decisions that are made uh, creates the budget and creates the cash flow forecast. And the budget may look good, but uh, one of our favourite saying, revenue is uh, vanity, profit is sanity, cash flow is reality. So while the best case at that budget may show profit, when it's converted into a cash flow forecast, it may look different and there might be some holes. So that then needs some further decisions to be made around how to close those holes, whether to get some funding from uh, a different source that might be available or whether to, uh, to put in place negotiations with customers and, uh, and suppliers to, to move cash flow. To, to change the timing of cash flow because it's all about timing. Mm. And there are various ways to actually uh, uh, to, to make that happen and to create a win-win situation, which is what we're about. Yeah, yeah. And uh, there has been ones about um, going to your landlord and seeing if you can put your rent on hold. Then mm -hmm. there are the issues of the landlord also has a loan and, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. then it... it uh, uh, rolls on from there mm -hmm. so uh, it really is from what I'm hearing is that uh, you need a strategy you need to put together a budget I highly recommend that I think uh, people should be going to get some professional advice as well not only from accountant or bookkeeper but I think uh, like a, a CFO as well um, a lot of uh, businesses that we work with they don't have a CFO um, mm -hmm. within their organisation. They're generally mm -hmm. smaller businesses. So whether they're delivering accredited or non-accredited, they're generally going to be smaller. They could even mm -hmm. be just one, what, what we call a one-man band, mm -hmm. uh, where it might, might just be them. Mm -hmm. But I think forecasting is definitely something that they need to do. And that leads me into where do you think businesses will be in the next six months? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, six to 12 months. Yeah. Um, well, I think uh, I think for some, they will try to to go back to the way it was before, mm. because that was comfortable. Mm -hmm. But I think the businesses that will thrive uh, in in the years to come are those who actually take the best out of what they're doing through this period right now and make that a permanent change. Uh, in some cases, that's going to be um, new products uh, that, that address needs that maybe weren't always there, but have just been highlighted during this period. Uh, in some cases, it's going to be methods of delivery. Sometimes it will be team. Uh, it, it might be uh, repositioning re, uh, of team members and, and that, that stays the same. Uh, in some situations, it's going to be uh, technology, and I, I'm seeing a lot of a uh, lot, lot of examples where this is really just bringing forward uh, something that was going to happen anyway. 
um, and, and if some obvious examples are in technology. Uh, some other examples are just in the way that businesses are engaging with their customers. And particularly the training industry. Like mm -hmm. I've been talking about it for years that mm -hmm. training organisations need to have an online model as mm -hmm. part of their delivery method. So mm -hmm. I foresee that that will be a massive change and how we work also. Yeah. Yeah. We don't necessarily need to be in the office every day. Yes, yes. And I much prefer the term um, physical distancing than social distancing. <laughs> um, I think we've been more socially connected mm. in the last six weeks than ever before. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've the, never the, had so many Zoom calls. Yes, that's right. Exactly. Uh, it, it is, um, uh, it, it is, it is, this has shown us that it's possible to still be connected. Uh, but um, I'd even use the term hyperproductive as well, uh, because uh, we've had to respond. And when I say we, I mean, uh, so many businesses collectively have had to respond to changes very, very quickly. Now, we, we don't want to and, and I think physically can't keep up the, the rhythm that we've had and maybe the hours that we've had to work for the last six weeks, mm. but it has shown us what we are actually capable of as business owners uh, and uh, where we can uh, improve efficiency without sacrificing connection. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know for my team alone, we now... Um, we have two huddles a day, one in the morning and one at, in the afternoon. Um, we also have frock up Friday, so we get yes. dressed up on yeah. Friday. Yeah. And we have dress up Thursday, so we yeah. have a theme different every Thursday. Yes. And I and we didn't have that in the office. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's one way. And on a Friday afternoon, we have our drinks. So yeah. we, we yeah. have drinks together after work, which we've never done as a team. Yes. before yes. so I think the way we work is yeah so totally, di totally different and it is um yeah we're still socializing socializing even more I think yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah maybe that. not meeting new people yeah yeah uh, one of our daughters is uh working from home uh or at least four days a week she's in um uh customer service in an IT business mm. uh, she uh she looks after the support tickets that come in and being an IT business, they measure, they, they have the capacity to, and, and this one certainly does, they measure everything. Mm. And uh, one of, the, um, uh, one of the, the, the team who's responsible for that area told her that she is getting through uh, twice as much at home uh, that, than she was before. And she wow. didn't feel that. And she, she was saying to us even before she, she got that, that feedback that uh, she has so many less interruptions uh, that she felt like she was doing a lot more. But to actually get that measure of two times productivity, she was, uh, she was far away. Yeah, yeah. And I think uh, maybe more people should be measuring mm -hmm. that productivity. Mm -hmm. uh, I know sometimes I get to the end of the day and I feel like, what have I done? Mm -hmm. uh, but then when I look back, I think, uh, okay, actually I've done this, I've done this. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we, uh, that's what's really good about to-do to -do lists, even mm -hmm. if you put it on and then tick it off. Yeah. <laughs> Because yes. <laughs> you at least know, know what you've done. Yes. So a good question I'd like to ask you, and I know you like this one. How do mm. you keep motivated each day? Mm. Mm. Um, I relate more to the word uh, inspired than motivated. Uh, and so I do that in a number of different ways. Um, it, I think it's really important to have, um, to have a good morning routine. 
uh, and uh, a well-known saying is uh, win the morning, win the day. So for me, that uh, involves, um, uh, well, I'm, I make my wife a, cop, a cup of coffee uh, and, and take it into her. That's the first thing I do. And that's, that's just a nice little, uh, nice little habit to sort of anchor the start of the day. And then I uh, sit down for a, uh, usually a 10-minute meditation. Uh, I use the um, uh, app called Calm uh, on my phone, uh, which has a different meditation every day. Uh, and I find that that is, uh, is really good just for, for, well, for calming and, and for grounding for the beginning of the day. Uh, an important part is uh, exercise. Uh, I normally do that at the end of the day. Uh, and uh, that, that is one thing that has been uh, difficult to, well, coming back to the word motivation, difficult to stay motivated on because uh, I actually uh, get a lie out of doing that in a group and I'm unable to go to my gym classes at the moment. Uh, but I, I do that with um, uh, one of my daughters, uh, not every day of the week, the way I was before, but uh, a few times a week we, we get out and do something. So that, that's a really important one. Recognizing the wins, uh, and just like you said before, Angela, about actually acknowledging uh, what you have achieved. Um, that, that's a really important one. Um, and actually, just to bounce around a bit, I'll, I'll go back to the start of the day. One of the things that uh, we do together as a, a two-person team, uh, we start the day with what we call uh, whiffles, what I feel like saying. Uh, and it's a really good way to actually um, uh, to, to check in with how I'm feeling, uh, with, uh, with, with what, what's positive and what might be challenging, and to actually get that out and to express it. And even just to say it can make a big difference, but also uh, saying it uh, opens up opportunities for others to support and to ask for support. Yeah. Uh, and that's a really important one as well. Mm. And as far as inspiration uh, overall, um, for us, it's about the impact that we make, uh, the impact on the business owners who we work with uh, and impacts in other ways. For example, we are business members of an organization called B1G1, which is buy one, give one. And that, uh, that organization connects business owners with worthy causes around the world and gives us the opportunity to say things like, uh, well, I've even got it hooked up to, uh, to say that every time I send uh, an email, then we'll give a day of access to water to a family in Ethiopia or every time I make a new LinkedIn connection, then we'll give a day of access to a solar kit for rural families in Cambodia. So knowing that by doing what we do, we can make impacts uh, small and big for people who we do know, as well as people who we don't know and will never meet, that's what keeps us going. And. Mm, mm. um that aligns very much with why I do what I do with the training industry uh, because I see the impact of what we do when we provide quality education is we mm. enable people to achieve and get have confidence in themselves and um, excel in an area that they may never have even thought of before. I think education mm. is a very mm. important area uh, for us mm -hmm. all to work in and, and mm -hmm. the yeah. opportunities for education. 
Yeah. Absolutely. And and of the, uh, we, we align very much with the 17 uh, UN Sustainability Development Goals. Yeah. Uh, and education is my number one. And, and that's the premise of what we do. We, we're not about being the experts who a business owner has to keep coming to and, and rely on. We are about uh, educating, educating business owners and their teams on finance yeah. Uh, yeah. so that they can actually uh, leverage and grow and make their biggest impact. And the final thing I'll add in terms of uh, motivation and inspiration is uh, the, our business mentors and business coaches, uh, and we have several, but uh, connecting with them uh, and they have shown tremendous leadership through this period. Uh, regular touch points with them uh, in different ways uh, and with their communities as well, uh, especially during this period of, of, of not having that uh, physical connection that provides us with uh, social connection and and definitely motivation and inspiration uh, and uh, encouragement uh, and ideas as well yeah and now is the time when you need to lean on those mentors mm -hmm. and um and and it not only benefits you it also benefits them and it also benefits the people that you're working for uh -huh. or with sure. yeah yeah because yeah, they're getting the benefits from that Thank you so much for um, joining us on this podcast today. That was really insightful. So many different, like we learned a bit about what you do, but also how you've changed and adapted your business. Um, and it's mainly been because of the what you've needed to do with your clients, not, not necessarily your business um, and how you run. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I think yes. this has been very valuable for a lot of people who will, uh, learn a lot from you know how you've been doing things and what they need to put in place within their organization so yeah thank you very much for attending this uh, podcast today my absolute pleasure thank you Angel. excellent thank you you've been listening to the education in isolation podcast with me angela connell if you'd like access to the show notes and other resources to find subscription options, you can find us at educationinisolation.com. The Education in Isolation podcast is proud to be part of the Experts on Air podcast network.